today this is the last coffee house this is actually the second time that i'm recording this and the first one i sounded like a sleepy super villain for some reason so this is the ben shapiro reading list going red in anticipation of the 2016 election republicans were reeling from two lost elections in 2008 and 2012 and they were searching for a way forward enter ed morrissey He's mostly a conservative writer and blogger. I saw a picture of him, but he might honestly just be an egg in a suit. <laughs> so I'm not, I have not confirmed that yet. The subtitle of this book going red, The Two Million Voters Who Will Elect the Next President and How Conservatives Can Win Them. It was published April 2016, so this is before, this is before the nuttiness that was the 2016 presidential election. And this guy is providing advice to conservatives on how to win that election. So we'll see what he has to say and the contents. The book looks at some voting and survey data and relates discussions with local leaders in a number of important states, particularly counties in those states. And there are a number of principles that can be distilled from the book. One of them, all politics is local. You have to get people on the ground. So not not for like an army crawl or something like that. It's And I always, I get this image of like teenagers like getting people on the ground. I think of like teenagers and 80 year old women parachuting in with like pamphlets. So I, I don't think that's what they mean. It's just people down talking to people in the community, actually in person, as opposed to all the detached stuff that we do through media and another principle a few counties in the country can sway the presidential election so you focus on these counties you get people on the ground in these counties and there are a lot of extra things that you're able to do when you're talking to people in person. There were a number of people who talked about how they were invited into the home and then that would more people would be invited. They'd be invited back to talk to friends of those people. And it seems small, you know, it might just be a, a dozen people, which are is far fewer than you're able to impact by just sending out mass emails or mass texts. Oh, I got so many of those. Oh, my gosh. But it can have a much greater impression and the percentage of people who are likely to vote, it's more important to be able to influence those than random people who are just going to throw your text away. Another principle, minority and younger voters are not lost categories for the Republican Party. So the Republican Party pretty much just abandoned those categories at some point. They said that we're not going to get those votes, so let's not talk to them. Let's not even try to appeal to them. But one of my favorite parts of the book was actually he talked to a political leader in one area and she said her and the people she works with felt abandoned by the Republican Party who just left it to progressives in the area to destroy the place. And she said she wanted an apology from the Republican Party to the black community in that area before she would consider putting her support behind conservative candidates in, the, in that area. So... This is an important idea of where the effort needs to be placed and where there can be inroads for people who find the ideas appealing that are being served by the the Republican Party, but they also feel abandoned by it and like they haven't been supported in their local area. Another principle is go into places that conservatives didn't go into before. So things like immigrant communities, go into those and explain. And this quote, important, don't tell a girl she She's ugly and then ask her to the prom. <laughs> and that's been a lot of what Republicans have done. Their strategy has been when it comes to immigrant communities. When it doesn't need to be. When it comes to the principles. So there's this guy, Gillespie, who actually, when he was doing his campaigning, he translated his materials into seven different languages. And even though the people who would get those pamphlets that were in the different languages were mostly bilingual, so they could read the English ones just fine, they appreciated the extra effort that went into 
including them in the in the envelope. And a big one that I thought when I was going through was speak in positive terms. You know, it's not a rap battle. You don't need to talk about so much how the other guy screwed up or what they did to mess up. Talk more about what you're trying to do. Talk about the economic opportunities that you're trying to bring and the real meat and potato benefits that you're trying to establish. And don't just state the principles. So that's one thing that Republicans seem to do a lot. They just state their principles and leave it at that. You have to state why those principles should be important to that particular voter. And you can do this with any given principle that you want to espouse. You can tailor this to show how it's going to impact that particular voter's interests. Even if they think there's a better way to do it or something like that, it shows that you have an interest in what they're trying to accomplish or what's important to them. And he talks about a lot of the people, the moderate people, especially on the right, who became extremely disenchanted, like when there are extremes. So, like the Tea Party and what the Tea Party had to say disenchanted a lot of moderate Republican voters who ended up voting for Obama. So you have to be mindful of these fence voters and how they're going to perceive the really loud minorities in each of these parties. And when it comes to the Tea Party, I mean, I remember it somewhat, <laughs> and they probably said some dumb things, but the kinds of things that progressives are saying now are civilization-destroying propositions. So I think it's a difference in kind rather than just being a, a mere analog politically. Anyway, that's mostly the book. It's, it's a pretty short book. My analysis, it's got a lot of anecdotes rather than a rigorous scientific analysis or something like that when it comes to trying to figure out what's going on here. But the anecdotes kind of make sense in this context because the whole point is to figure out what are the subjective interests and ideas of voters in particular areas. So it makes sense to have more anecdotes about what they have to say about what their interests are. Because obviously this whole politics thing is just trying to appeal to the subjective interests of a bunch of random people and, and get them to vote for you. The anecdotal approach kind of makes sense in this context. Like I said, it's a short book. It's easy to follow. So extra 10 points to Gryffindor for that one. I definitely applaud short books. <laughs> All the interviews were not equally insightful, but what are you going to do? You can only do so much about that. Most of the principles seem genuinely important. I mean, there are a lot of really good ones. All politics is local, people on the ground, a few counties are going to be extremely important. Going into places that you hadn't previously gone into and looking at voters you hadn't previously looked at. Speaking in positive terms, all those things seem like very good principles to follow. So what's the big picture here? I'm not sure how many of these things were implemented and how much this book can be attributed for the win in 2016. It was still a very narrow win, as everybody knows. And 2018 was pretty rough for Republicans. Of course, we just recently had in California one that had flipped by a nine-point margin to Democrats and now flipped back by a 12-point margin to conservatives, to Republican. So that was, what, a 21-point swing? <laughs> within an election. This is the one, uh, what was it, Katie Hill, or what, what was her name, who was into some shenanigans and got ousted from that seat. Anyway, so there's, there's a lot of weird election stuff going on. And when it comes to the presidential election, I mean, if Donald Trump can't beat the two least effective Democratic candidates in history, I mean, Chillery, the assassin Clinton, and Joe Cadaver Biden, I mean, if he can't do that, I don't even know what to say if he can't get past those two. 
the reality of where we are right now politically is that the the left has moved extreme left and we saw this in the hidden tribes study that we looked at a while ago it must have been a long while ago now geez but it has been moving away from the average voter and it might just be mostly the loudest voices the aocs the ilhan omars and the mainstream media who are perpetrating or perpetuating all of these extreme positions I mean, every person who's a Democrat that I have talked to in person, and obviously this is anecdotal, but it's it's in with the theme of the episode, they only pay lip service to the extreme positions that are espoused all over the place. And there's like this, um, a friend of mine, very educated, she's 23, she is an outspoken Democrat, she has worked for very <laughs> powerful Democrats in the Capitol, and she just kind of, she pays lip service to these extreme leftist, leftist positions, but is completely willing to have conversations about these issues and is open when I argue at her out of most of these. <laughs> so it's and I'm not saying that I, I necessarily change her mind on every issue, but she is open to the information that I present and the way that I make the arguments related to these. Now, obviously, I'm an incredible arguer, one of the best in history, so that helps. But still, I think most of the Democrats I speak to in person, when I go to debates or whatever, they pay lip service to extreme positions so they don't get called is, you know, all those ist words, but they are open to actual discussion about these issues. So, so that's reassuring at least. And so, I mean, generally in the big picture, the party that deserves to win is the party with the best ideas and it should always be the party with the best ideas. And the conservative party has the best ideas. It's freedom first, it's economics right after that, and then deal with all the social whining, emotional stuff. Okay, well, that's the book that's going right. That's the Ben Shapiro reading list. He's on the right, so we've got a right perspective on that one. We've got some more going on with, we've got the Sam Harris reading list on the left, and we've got the center reading list, Jordan Peterson. We've got both of those, all those going on. I really enjoyed reading Hans Christian Andersen, the stories. <laughs> so we've got some more literature stuff coming up. I don't think I enjoyed the following book all that much, honestly, but we need to get through that one so we can get to some of the awesome stuff that's coming up. So thank Thank you, everybody who's been listening, who's been there. I really appreciate it. I can't tell you enough. It's it's tough to keep going and keep pushing through with everything that's going on. Just book after book after book and trying to make these episodes. But I really appreciate it. And I will see you on the next one. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.